The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. Hey, hey, welcome. We're back. Another Friday. Good to have you along. Uh, John Scholes here. And as always, Savan Tamarkin is here. Brandon as well. The fellas are ready to answer your questions anytime beyond this show. You want to reach out. You're always advised to do so. Toll free, of course, 1-855-821-5900. Email is help at disabilityrights.ca. Again, help at disability rights.ca we're going to get to those very shortly we've got a bunch of questions coming in already but savan we always start off with the uh, the week that was pal what do you got cooking over there yeah john uh, i want to talk to you about an interesting case that or an interesting call that i had earlier this week it was a gentleman who was 48 years old uh and he, he works in the it industry uh he was in a car accident about a year and a half ago it was a pretty bad crash on the highway uh, he was rear-ended by uh, an 18-wheeler. Thankfully, uh, he survived, but it was a pretty bad accident. His two kids were in there. His wife was in there as well. The car swerved a few times. Uh, and, you know, it's a total write-off. The police came. The ambulance came. Long story short, he has not been back to work since that accident. Uh, he's uh, He's been having a lot of treatments. He suffered a mild traumatic brain injury. He also suffered several fractures. So it's a fairly significant accident, okay? Uh, and he didn't go, he didn't speak with any lawyers, uh, nothing. He thought he could do it all on his own. And certainly, it, it, even even with the injuries, you know, to, to his brain and everything else, uh, and his wife is, in fact, in the insurance industry as well. So they figured they can just navigate the insurance laws here in terms of benefits and, and everything else. Here's why they called me. They didn't call me about the car accident. They called me because uh, he had recently applied for long-term disability through his disability plan at work, and he was denied. And he was denied by the insurance company because the insurance company says that there is insufficient medical documentation uh, confirming that he is disabled uh, from working. And, of course, we do shows all the time, John, about long-term disability and how we can help people Mm -hmm. across Ontario with that. And so I explained it to him and I told him why the insurance company has no legs to stand on, why we can go after them. But then I spoke to him a bit more about his car accident. And, and I said, you know, I understand you've been able to get the benefits that you're entitled to, uh, accident benefits, which every person that's injured in Ontario as a result of a car accident is entitled to get, uh, income replacement if you can't work after the first week, uh, uh, medical rehabilitation expenses, and in his case, it's going to be fairly significant, and there's other benefits as well. And then I asked him, well, what about the pain and suffering that you have suffered? What about you know y- your family here that's been affected, your wife? Uh, who's now working less hours because she needs to take care of you uh, and other family members who are helping him. What about your future? I mean, you know, you're in your late 40s. We don't know if you're going to be able to go back to work, certainly not go back to work to the same extent, same hours, same duties. You're going to have a potential sizable, very sizable income loss claim into the future you may not get that money from your own insurance company through accident benefits. Certainly, your long-term disability insurance company, once we get them to pay you, will be paying you about 67% 
of your predisability income. So what about the rest of it? And he didn't really have an answer to that. He didn't really think about that. He only assumed that he's entitled to the benefits that he was getting from his own car insurance. Uh, and, and he thought, you know, right now my focus is long-term disability. And when I explained to him that the insurance company for that 18-wheeler truck is going to be on the hook for the rest of his damages for a significant amount of that, and I explained to him when we talked in detail, I said, you know, I'm valuing your claim at around a million dollars, maybe even more, depending on certain things that I need to still understand about your case and the impact to your life. He was just beside himself. He didn't understand that. Even his wife didn't understand that. Now, I started this, John, by saying that this happened about a year and a half ago, and thank God that he contacted me now. Because if this was over two years ago, he could potentially be barred from starting that legal claim for that compensation against the 18-wheeler truck and insurance company. Remember, you have two years from the date of the accident to start a legal claim for compensation against whoever caused your accident if you've suffered an injury that is significant. And what is significant? Well, clearly a brain injury is significant, fractures are significant, but really, in my mind at least, and based on my experience, any kind of injuries you suffer which are going to be impairing you to some extent into the future in a car accident, you could potentially be entitled to compensation and significant compensation at that. How much? Well, that depends on a case-by-case basis. I can't just throw out numbers just like that, but I can tell you, you can do the math. I mean, if you cannot work right now and you're making $50,000 a year, well, just do a straight math, 50,000 times however long you're going to be off work. Now, it's not as straightforward as that, okay, before other lawyers start jumping at me and and insurance companies Mm -hmm. saying, well, that's not how you calculate these things. You're right, it's not. It's more nuanced than that. But what I'm trying to explain to people is that there are different categories of compensation you need to be aware of that you can actually get under the law from the insurance company of whichever driver caused the accident or at least was partially at fault for the accident. It can be for income loss. It can be pain and suffering. It can be medical rehabilitation expenses. It can be funeral expenses. It can be uh, even compensation to family members for the work that they now have to do or the help they're giving you. And even for their pain and suffering for the fact that you are injured under the Family Law Act, Section 61, allows them to get that kind of compensation in certain circumstances. And there are many other categories, and people, John, are not aware of this. Now, why is this important? Because this is not charity money. This is money that is owed to individuals who are seriously injured in car accidents, and they they may not be aware. You know, people, when they're injured in an accident, they're thinking, oh my God, pain and suffering, pain and suffering. That's what comes to mind. But that is maybe one out of 10 or 20 different categories of compensation. Unless you go to a lawyer or a law firm that has a specific expertise in this area, you may miss out. And when I used to work for insurance companies, almost 20 years ago, defending them in these kinds of cases, I would routinely settle with lawyers representing injured plaintiffs at a fraction of the amount that those individuals are owed because back then I was representing the insurance companies. Now, myself, my team, Brandon here, who's going to be uh, speaking about accident benefits, we all represent injured individuals, people who have been injured in a car accident or in a slip and fall or in any kind of other type of accident. Uh, we represent them and we advise them. Uh, so please give us a call, email us if you have a question about your accident or someone else's accident, you want to help, direct people to us. We're here to give out information. If at some point people find that useful and want to retain us, want to actually have us help them with their claims, doesn't cost anything by the way, nothing up front, 
we we get paid only if we're able to recover compensation from the insurance company. So really, it doesn't cost you anything up front. Certainly, the advice is free. It's always free. Mm-hmm. These consultations are always free. So nothing to lose, John, by getting this information now. Reach out, guys. As Savan says, uh, yeah, don't hesitate. Toll free, of course, one 821 5900 disabilityrights.ca as well. So, uh, Brandon, over to you, pal. What can people who are injured in a car accident do if they, uh, well, they start running out of benefits, plainly? What happens then? Hi, John. Yes. So this is a very important issue I do want to talk about as this does happen at least nine out of 10 accident benefit claims. Um, Before I do get into this, though, I do want to quickly remind everyone that once someone is in in a car accident, their insurance company will will be placing them in one of three categories. The first category uh, being the minor injury guideline, which limits someone to a maximum of $3,500 worth of treatment uh, and zero access to attending care benefits. The second category is the non-minor and non-catastrophic category. This limits someone to $65,000 worth of treatment for medical rehabilitation benefits and attending care services. The third and last category is the catastrophic category. This gives someone up to $1 million worth of benefits. Again, these numbers, they can all change depending on your policy and if you have optional benefits. However, these numbers just I just mentioned are standard-based policies in Ontario. Now, a lot of the times when someone will be placed in a category that they shouldn't be, um, sometimes someone who has used up all of the $3,500 in the minor injury guideline, and they're still in need of treatment. You know, I get calls all the time. Uh, you know, the insurance company said there's no more for me. Uh, I still need treatment. My physiotherapist says so. Even my family doctor agrees. And I'm sure you do need additional treatment. The insurance company, they're never going to grant someone more treatment when they no longer need it. But they will definitely cut people off from treatment when they do still need it. Um, and to get more treatment and placed into the next category, this can be done in a few ways. One way is simply providing medical evidence from your family doctor or hospitals or any other specialist that you may have recently seen. Um, Another way is to go for what's called an insurance examination. And this is when the assessor from the insurance company will examine your injuries and how the accident has impacted your life. If both of these fail and you can't get placed into the next category, uh, the last and final option would be to dispute the decision with the license appeal tribunal. Uh, When trying to get someone into the catastrophic category, it is a bit more complex than just providing medical records or medical evidence. Typically, there's many examinations that need to be done, reports that will need to be completed, but we deal with these claims all the time, and, and we know exactly what steps are needed to try and get someone into this category as well. And with that, guys, I'll give out that number again, one 821 5900 to get a hold of Savannah or Brandon. You can use that. And, uh, you know, disabilityrights.ca, the website, and the email address always is help at disabilityrights.ca. I want to get into some emails, guys, but we'll take a short break because it's going to take a little more time than we got before we got to cut out. So we'll do that and return. Gerald, thank you. You are up first with your email as we continue right here with the Disability Law Show. Stand by. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests 
guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. Hey, hey, we're back. Disability Law Show. The weekend is almost here, but we're going to get through a bunch of emails first. You want to reach out to Savannah or Brandon or the respective teams anytime. Always encourage for that uh, phone call to have a chat. one 855 821-5900 help at disabilityrights.ca as well. There's also another place you can go. It's free. It's anonymous. You can use your smartphone, your tablet, your computer called mydisabilityquestions.com. Type your question in and it will get answered uh, fairly quickly as well. Again, mydisabilityquestions.com. But our first email, Savannah, this one's for you from uh, Gerald. Says, hey guys, last week I slept and fell on black ice when I came out of a convenience store and tore my meniscus in my left knee. I'm 49 years old, and now I'm really concerned about a surgery I may need because I'm a single father and widower with three kids, and I simply don't know how I'll be able to work over the next little while. I'm a carpenter, and my work is very intensive. My doctors say that I will need time off or rehab, and I just don't know what to do. Is there any recourse for me against the owners of the area where I fell? They didn't put any salt or anything on there. I had a friend go and take pictures and video right after. Please let me know what I should do. That's from Gerald. Gerald, absolutely, you have recourse here, and it's a really good thing that you sent your friend to take photographs and videos right after. And that's one of the things, John, that we sometimes don't see people do, understandably so, because when you're injured in a slip and fall, all you're thinking about is your injury, especially if it's a very serious injury. And in this case with Gerald, I mean, he tore his meniscus in his left knee. Uh, he's he's going to need surgery here. There's no question about that, uh, based on the experience that I have with these kinds of injuries. And that's not going to be end, you know the end of the matter. Uh, you know, being in his late 40s, this is going to plague him, unfortunately, going forward. And he has an intensively uh, uh, difficult job being a carpenter. I can see him definitely having a claim into the future here because he's going to have he's going to suffer from impairments. He's going to need certainly time off uh, for the surgery, for rehab, uh, for everything else that he will require medically after this accident. Now, Gerald, here is the way that I deal with a claim like this. Uh, I I would want some more details about where this happened. I want to understand exactly, is this in fact an area that's owned by the convenience store or a plaza owner or someone else? So we have to do a search, a property search. We do that through our office. Uh, We have people that, that do these kinds of things. And that's not the end of the matter. It's not just the owner of the area. It's also who was responsible for taking care of the of the area. Was it in fact a convenience store or someone else? Perhaps a third party winter maintenance contractor. Perhaps a subcontractor that they contracted to. You see, you can sometimes do these investigations, which we do, our firm does on behalf of injured individuals, uh, and, and find out who all these parties are. Now, here's why that's important. Because if we don't find out who the necessary parties are, and we simply start a legal claim for your compensation, for your injuries, uh, now, a year, two years down the road, whenever this thing gets resolved, this case gets resolved, we don't want to be in a situation where suddenly it comes up that there is, in fact, someone else that's responsible, and all the other parties that we've included wash their hands off of it and say, we're not paying a dime. So you want to make sure that every insurance company that is insuring one of the parties that may be responsible here for your injuries is at the table at the end of the day. Really, really important stuff. I can't stress this enough. A lot of lawyers miss it. Not individuals themselves, but lawyers miss this. So we do a lot of due diligence at the outset of a claim when we take over a claim and we start dealing with a claim like this, Gerald. 
The second thing that we have to do here is obviously assess your injuries, and, and we do that through uh, a review of all the medical documentation, seeing what your doctors have to say, understanding what experts have to say. We may have to retain an orthopedic specialist to assess you down the road. All that kind of stuff costs a lot of money, but guess what? You're not paying for it. Our firm is going to be paying for that. We deal with these kinds of claims. We have you know, the financial power to, to deal with these claims. And the reason why we need to do all of this and to pay all these expenses up front is because we have to be able to present that to the insurance companies on the other side and make sure that they understand what their exposure is. If they don't understand what their exposure is, they're not going to know what check to write to you at the end of the day. And by the way, when I say they write you a check at the end of the day, it's not because they want to. It's because we have to force them to do so. So, you know, the, the gist of it here is that, Gerald, if in fact you have photos and videos of the area where you fell and shows that there was no maintenance, I can tell you that just for your type of injuries, a torn meniscus potentially requiring surgery, you're looking at pain and suffering damages, in my experience, fifty, sixty, seventy thousand dollars $70,000 worth, at least. Add to that your potential income loss, holy cow, I mean, I don't know how much you are making, but you're 49 years old, I don't know how long you're going to be off work or what's that going to do to your working life expectancy, but you can have a claim here for hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars that these insurance companies are going to have to pay you. So it's a significant, significant claim. Not to mention, if you don't have group benefits, for example, health benefits, who's going to pay for your rehab? Well, you know, that also is something we may need an expert on. So you see, John, there is a lot of complexity around these claims. But it's not something that individuals like Gerald need to worry about. It's something that when they hire a company like us to help them with this, and again, there's no upfront payments whatsoever. It's, it's absolutely like we're in the same boat. Our job is to recover as much compensation as we can for Gerald and his family. Uh, and and we, we do that, again, methodically, and we do that without accounting for, for the expenses. We're going to spend whatever needs to be spent so that we can force insurance companies, these insurance companies, at the end of the day, to pay Gerald and his family what he's owed. Uh, bef before I end off, I'll tell you this, Gerald. Again, I don't have more information than you've given us. But I remember specifically a case that I had similar to yours, except the individual was in his mid-50s. He wasn't a carpenter, but he was also in the industry, uh, a very, very physically intensive industry. Uh, and I can tell you that we had resolved that claim for close to $700,000. Wow. So, so that gives you an idea, right? I mean, these claims can vary in size because it's very fact-specific depending on the individual. But you can be looking at a lot of money, and you don't want to wait here. Because guess what? If if you fell on an area that's that belongs to uh, uh, the city, as an example, right? It's a sidewalk. Uh, you may have a different, not just a limitation period of two years to start the claim, but you may have a notice requirement within 10 days of the fall to notify the city clerk of where you fell, of the injuries, of the specifics, and the fact that you're intending to claim compensation. So you have all these notice requirements as well. You really do need to get that legal advice as soon as possible. And again, that's what we're here for, John. People can contact us. No obligation, free, accurate. We're going to give you all, everything you need to 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 uh, determine, to decide uh, how you want to proceed. Gerald, nicely done, pal. Appreciate that. You know how to reach out beyond this point. Well, you got the email address. We just uh, we just used it. Thank you for your email. But one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred to follow up with that conversation. Uh, Dean is up next. Guy says uh, my brother was in a friend's car when they got into an accident a few months ago outside of London, Ontario. 
It was a significant accident with an 18-wheel truck, and my brother was injured pretty badly. He broke his left arm and suffered a concussion, which the doctors uh, say is a traumatic brain injury. He's still not himself now and is getting lots of rehab and treatments. He was studying to become a plumber, but I really don't know how he'll be able to do that now. The doctors are saying that his memory and ability to think properly is impacted, and they're not sure of his prognosis. This was obviously not his fault, and our family just doesn't know what we need to do now. What do you think, guys? That's a pretty serious accident. Uh, what I'd like to do is get Brendan's thoughts right now about the accident portion, uh, accident benefits portion of the claim, and then I'll talk about the other claim against the 18-wheel truck that was responsible for this. So, so Brendan, maybe you can talk to us a bit about uh, the accident benefits here. Absolutely. Uh, hi, Dina. I'm, I'm sorry to hear about this accident that your uh, brother was involved in. Um, so, again, we're going to talk about the i'm going to speak about the accident benefits Alyssa van talked about the pain and suffering part of the uh, claim but as for accident benefits your brother is going to be entitled to quite a bit of in, of, of treatment here as he did uh, suffer a traumatic brain injury this is almost guaranteed going to get him into that third and final category as i was mentioning previously the catastrophic category as i'm sure that's even in the second category worth of $65,000 worth of treatment is going to run out fairly, fairly quick. Um, I'm not too sure if he was, if your brother was working at the time of the accident or not, but if he was as well, he will be entitled to that income replacement benefit. Again, depending on what policy he has and what, uh, and how, what his limits are, but he will be able to receive at least a minimum of $400 per week. Um, also, if he was studying to become a plumber and he's obviously no longer able to continue, um, he may even be able to uh, collect reimbursement on that through his accident benefits uh, claim as well. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I'm sure that there's a lot more that Brendan can, can advise you, but I, 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 I want to take over here and I'll tell you this, uh, Dina, your brother has a, a, a massive claim here. And, you know, I don't use that word lightly. When I say massive claim, I mean the fact that we have an 18 wheel truck, I can suspect that the insurance policy for this truck provide for what's called a third-party liability limits of likely more than a million dollars. And what that means is that most people in Ontario that have car insurance have a third-party liability uh, policy limits of a million dollars, which means that if you're at fault for an accident, uh, your insurance company will pay up to a million dollars to whoever it is that you've injured. Now, you can buy optional insurance that will increase that. With truckers, uh, especially 18-wheel truckers, companies that, that run these, they usually have higher limit insurance policy uh, uh, policies, and oftentimes they have stacked insurance policies on top of that to, again, ensure that in catastrophic situations, there's enough money there to compensate people. And this is a case, Dina, where your brother, I think, just based on what you've written us, potentially could get more than a million dollars in compensation. The fact that he was starting to become a plumber I mean, and he's a young guy, if he's not able to work in that profession or any other profession where he could make that same amount of money, he's now going to have a significant loss of income and loss of competitive advantage claim into the future. So again, John, this is a claim where there's going to be pain and suffering damages, income loss damages, medical rehabilitation damages, family law act get damages for the family members who now have to deal with uh, Dina's brother who, who is so injured. A lot of stuff to unpack here. We can do a whole show on it. So Dina and I are going to talk after the show. Maybe I'll get in touch with her brother. I'll be able to provide that family with all the information they need to decide how they want to proceed. But this is a very, very big claim. 
Dina, thank you so much. That was a really a wise thing making that uh, that email. And guys, sometimes the emails we get on the show are absolutely shocking. So people need help, and that's why they're uh, reaching out and taking that first step. And that was by email. You want to send one along for a, a future show? You could do so. It is help at disabilityrights.ca, and we always encourage you to make that phone call and just uh, simply have a chat on your own time and discuss your matter in private. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. And if you go to disabilityrights.ca, the media page, you'll catch past episodes of this. This show and you'll also be able to catch episodes of our long-running tv show as well always something to be learned on that particular broadcast and that'll do it for the other uh, weekend and we'll catch you next time right here on the disability law show the preceding was a paid commercial program unless otherwise identified the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser the opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of chorus entertainment